mortgages can be a dry subject. So here's your oasis in the desert. It's the podcast that will get you talking and thinking, or more likely drinking. The Lennon to his McCartney, the Bird to his Ernie. It's the one and only Mortgage Stew and his sidekick Martin at the LM Experience. Right, well here we are. Unlucky for some episode 13, maybe not. Hello Stu, how are you? I'm fine, thank you Martin, yourself? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. Enjoying this uh, this warm weather in this very small, closeted little room that we're in today? Yes, indeed. It's sweltering. Absolutely. Well look, this is episode 13. We've got uh, another another special guest with us today. We've got uh, an industry um, voice of experience who's done lots of work in the media. Uh, it's Jane King from Ashridge Private Finance. Um, and you might know Jane from sort of mainstream media because you do a lot of work on uh, Radio I think you've been on. I think you've been on Breakfast News as well, Jane. Yes, um, I've done a bit for BBC Breakfast. We have, do a phone in for LBC on a Thursday once a month. So yeah, a few bits and pieces. Well, you're with the big boys now. This is it. It doesn't get any better than Bert and Ernie. Well, that's, what I, experience. that's what I thought when you asked me. I thought, well, that's it. That's the pinnacle <laughs> of my career now done. You've, you've peaked. It's downhill yeah. all the way. So listen, um, Jane, we, we've only met sort of recently over the, sort of fast, uh, the last few months. What well, Give us a quick sort of breakdown of your career. I mean, when did you come into the industry and, um, you know, what, what has been your career path so far? Um, I came into the industry in 1997 um, into administration, took my old-fashioned financial planning certificate, decided that pensions and investments weren't for me. There was people out there that could do it a lot better than me. I wasn't interested, but I did love property. So I took my mortgage exams swiftly followed by my home reversion and equity release exams um, and decided that that's what I wanted to do. So I started advising on mortgages in around about 2003. So, um, you, you, so, so like, like, like Stu and myself, you've, you, you've seen it all. You hear pre-credit crunch, during the credit crunch, post-credit crunch. Almost pre-regulation. Right. I, think. Yeah, yeah, I do, I do remember a, a colleague giving a mortgage case to a client because the um, lender took her out for lunch a lot. I do remember that. <laughs> Um, so probably pre-regulation as well, yeah. Right. It's back when BDMs had budgets. Yeah, yeah and we could pens. all have yeah, money. a bit of corporate hospitality as well, well which obviously we can't back. have those days anymore. No, absolutely. So, and what, 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 you know, in terms, of, in terms of that, the, the pre-regulation, pre-credit crunch. I mean, what, uh, what, what have you, what have you seen the biggest changes in the industry over over that time? I mean, how, how has that developed? And and then from that, how, how did you get into you know, breakfast news and, and, and Radio 4 and what, what made you go down the, uh, the, the, the media star route? Um, well, if I take your second question first, um, I was phoned up by a very well-known broadcaster, not a million miles from here, who um, asked me to do a guest slot because um, their diversity unit had phoned them and said they were a bit short on women experts. <laughs> so they needed to bolster you the numbers. That, so would I please pop in and, uh, and do it? So obviously that wasn't particularly encouraging, but I did it anyway. And then um, I was lucky enough to do a Saturday morning show with Declan Curry, who said to me, actually, Jane, I know you're a woman, but actually you're pretty good at what you do. <laughs> oh, nice. You definitely so, couldn't say so that. So you're yeah. here on merit now and not because of your, of your gender. So um, that's sort of how I fell into it. And then the LBC thing, I just got picked up on Twitter. By um, by them and asked to come in and do that with them. Your second question, I think the biggest change that I've seen is is regulation. Hmm. Um, is people now not just being able to borrow what they like? I think when self certification went, that was a massive change. Hmm. Um, and what we, and also with the regulation of buy to let now, 
Um, I think I think those are the two biggest changes. The fact that the free for all days where lenders would just throw money at you is, is now gone. Mm. It's almost, almost a bit like kind of the uh, cleansing process for the market, really, wasn't it? With advisors up to the point of when the crash happened, like you say, it was a free for all to a certain extent. There was always another lender around the corner that would do something if another one wouldn't. And I think it did sort of like reboot everything in terms of you saw a lot of advisors disappearing from offering their services basically because of it. And I think in that respect, it then meant that everybody had to adapt and, and do different things. Well, I mean, there were an awful lot of advisors making an awful lot of money out of buy-to-lets and um, fees and all the rest of it. And there wasn't much anybody could do um, to stop it. So mm. it was a free-for-all. And I don't think it could have carried on like it was. No. It was, and back then, it was all about product sales. It wasn't about advice, which yeah. I think where we are now is is much more but all about yeah. advice and nothing to do with, with products at all. Yeah, and I think borrowers need to know what they're taking on, not just sold something, but said, you know, this is a lifelong commitment. You need to speak to somebody that can explain everything to you and so yeah. that you understand what you're doing. And I think that's that, that for me, has been one of the most positive things that have come out of the changes. Mm. Well, we, we were just having a chat earlier and um, you've got quite an interesting anecdote about, about leasehold houses um, um, and and how, you, how you've tried to dissuade a client from buying a particular property. Can you just run through that for us? Well, there's been a lot on the media. I think the Victoria Derby show show had a piece on a little while ago about um, a couple that had bought a new build and only realised after the event that it was a leasehold which meant obviously that they didn't own the plot of land that the property um, sat on, that they were subject to ground rents and service charges and that the freehold could be sold from under them to a third party. Um, And the piece was about how they should have been told Mm-hmm. Um, this from outset so obviously there's been a lot of publicity so I have a client at the moment who's looking to buy exactly the same a leasehold property um, and I've tried to talk him out of it Yeah, but so. he, he is adamant that he wants this house and for some people I think they get so emotionally attached to the property that, that they want to buy mm-hmm. that all this stuff just does not just doesn't register they're, they don't they're, care. Immune, they're immune to logic as a yeah, result yeah anyway I found out that actually according to um BBC News that this has now been banned and was banned in 2017. You cannot now sell a, a house as leasehold, but it hasn't trickled through to um, actual legislation yet. So I don't know when that's going to happen. But I think it's really important that people. I mean, it is a bit buyer beware. Mm-hmm. I mean, the buyer's got to be made aware. And this lady on um, on the show was actually saying that her solicitor should have made her aware of it. But I think there is an element of the buyer has to actually. Yes, we, yeah. we have lost a little bit the, the power of caveat emptor. We, mm. You know, so much protection for the consumer on, on, on many different um, levels. Um, but there has to be an element of, uh, come on, you, you know, there's enough information. You should have read some of this stuff. Mm. But where do you think the book lies? I mean, is, is it the solicitor? Is it the lender? You know, I think it's the difficult. broker, dare I say that? Yeah. I think it's the borrower. Yeah. I still think it's the borrower's I, ultimate responsibility to make sure they know what they're buying. Mm. I think as well, we've got into the environment now, I think everything's gone very sort of Americanized in terms of there's always somebody that's to blame for it. And the blame culture thing for it is simply a case of if somebody engages with a mortgage advisor now, as far as they're concerned, they move on with what they want to do at the end result. It's got nothing to do with their responsibility during the process of it. I've had it before where clients... You talk to them, you ask them for documents, and you'd be waiting for days, weeks, and then sooner or later, grudgingly, you'll get them out of them, and that with an explanation of, oh, I didn't know, understand why you needed it. It's like, well, here's the level of detail we have to cover. This is what we need to have. Mm. And there's that extent as well with 
what people do, I think, is they engage with solicitors for the purposes of purchasing a property, and they think that's all they need to do in order for responsibility for themselves. Yeah. And like you say, it's probably a case of that if they're dealing with a new build developer, either there's an onus on the developer to explain these things, but to be honest, like you say, with the coverage that it's obviously had nationally anyway, they're not going to bring it up as an issue, are they? Well, they're well, going to glaze over it. I mean, I had to ask the client to go and check. Mm. Because it's standard for me now with new builds after what happened is to say, is it freehold? Don't know. Go back and check. Oh, no, it's leasehold. So the developer but had it, no intention of telling. Yeah, them. but also it's, it, it goes back to your point, um, Jane, about the uh, the borrower, because um, how often do you have a client buying a flat and, and you say, can you check the length of the lease? And you come back and say, no, it's freehold. When they mean it's share of freehold, so yeah. you know the, where where we deal with a lot of detail, the consumer doesn't get anywhere near the level of knowledge that we have to do our job, and that that's also quite worrying, I think. Yeah, but I mean the thing is, it's not down to us really to know to to know no. how long the lease is, but we're doing it because it's part of the service we yeah. provide is to make sure that okay, you've got a sixty-year lease, there might be a problem with with that. We mm. don't have to under regulation say to a client mm, might be a problem. We do that because we're we that's who we're looking after. Yeah. And we've got a moral obligation to, to, exactly. to help an individual. Yeah, yeah. yeah but, we, but we don't have to. That's the no. thing. And that's what they don't understand, which is why I struggle with this robo-advice concept. Mm-hmm. Because if you're going to use a robo-advice, then they're not going to come back and say, oh, 60 years, you might want to think about that before you. Are they? They're just not going to no, do that. No, it's likewise. It's, it's, the, it's the things that on a day-to-day basis an advisor does automatically that won't happen. Mm. Things like if, if you have, have a conversation with first-time buyers, if they're looking at buying a flat... I always have a discussion with them about what types of flats are you looking at, what's the location, are they above a shop, are they close by to a late-night convenience store, that sort of thing. It's things like that that can't be done if you haven't got that personal contact. Mm. Well, that's the, the, yeah, the hard technical side, but also it's the the emotive open questions about the implications of what Mm. you're doing, Mr. Client. Mm. Have you thought Mm. about that? And, you know, the moment a client says to me, I hadn't thought about that, I know I've done my job right. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I get the clients will ping me a link to the house and say, do you think this looks all right? <laughs> you know, no, is, is there anything wrong with it? Is there anything wrong with the construction material? You know, is it got an, uh, is it an unusual place? But rather than try and um, work it out for themselves, mm. they'll just ping it over to me and say, is it a problem? You know, high rise flats or something. Mm. And that's just you, as you say, doing your job and representing them and putting them first. Mm. Yeah. Well, I think personally, that's the right way to do it. And um, mm. Jane, do you specialise in anything? Are you pretty holistic in terms of uh, what you do? Uh, have you got a preference for the kind of work that you do? No, I don't mind what I do. Um, anything very complicated, such as um, things like commercial, um, etc., I tend to outsource to um, a firm that are much better at it than I am with yeah. the client's permission. Mm-hmm. But um, So anything like that, I, I, I outsource, but most of everything else I do. Mm. It's far better to do that, isn't it, to be honest? Because it's the scenario there where, in the same way as like you or I would have that conversation with lenders on a regular basis and you're up to speed with it, if they're rare cases, mm. I have the same issue. Yeah, You can't confidently go into that level of detail no. with them on that basis, you, can you? You so? can't be good at anything, everything. It's like if somebody wants a foreign currency mortgage, I've got a really good guy that I can just ring up and say, look, they want a euro or a dollar, mm-hmm. and he'll do it for me. I get one every couple of years. There's no point in me knowing a great deal no. about it. No. I'm a big fan of delegation, Jane. Trust me. Yeah. Um, we've got a couple of questions from some for, for some of our listeners. Uh, first one here from Gareth Davis, who's at at Gazdi eighty three. It's about later later life lending. Is that a market that you've got into um, at all, Jane? 
he's, he's asked a question here. Should the high street lenders be offering more products for the demographic of the older generation? Um, well, I hold the equity release exam as well as the lifetime um, mortgage exam and normal mortgage exams. Um, I think that lenders are now looking for um, a way into this market. It's going to be huge. There are 1.7 million interest-only mortgages out there that are due to mature over the next few years. There's going to be an awful lot of people that haven't um, made a plan. There'll be an mm-hmm. awful lot that have, but there'll be a lot that decided that they, A, they were going to downsize and now have decided they don't want to. That's probably created the interest-only issue we've got at the moment. 15 years ago, yeah, I'll downsize, don't you mm-hmm. worry. And then the letter comes through, oh, I don't want to move. You yeah. Know? So, um, And it's only going to be a growing generational thing where I think statistically you've got a one in four chance of making it to a hundred. This isn't going to go away. No. At all. The issue I've got a bit a bit with the um, new products that are coming out, which are pension and mortgages as opposed to equity release or lifetime mortgages, is the affordability. We've still got the affordability issue and if you're on just state pension, mm-hmm. um, it's going to be difficult even to um, yeah. Yeah. get Again, a pension and mortgage. It just needs more more lateral thinking, more innovation yeah. and more competition. For a lot of people, sector. a lifetime mortgage with, with, with interest rolled up is going to still be their only um, practicable option. Another question here. Thanks, Jane. Another question from uh, Dan White, Taunton Dan at WFS Mortgages. Jane, I've heard you speak very positively around the government housing scheme. Has helped to buy created a false housing bubble? Um, I'm a massive fa- fan of shared ownership, the part by part rent scheme. Help to buy not so much because for me and the area that I work, even with the help to buy scheme, new builds are pretty unaffordable mm-hmm. for most normal people on just average salaries. Mm. So I don't do so much of that. I don't know whether it's created a housing bubble. I think we can rely on the valuers that are coming out to value these properties to decide whether or not they're actually worth what the lender's going to lend on them. Mm. Um, but for me, anything that gets some, somebody onto the housing ladder who is a positive. is a positive thing, yeah. Mm. Interesting. I saw a tweet. I think it was Henry um, Pryor. Pryor um, and he was talking about some clients who bought new builds down in Nine Elms, the Battersea Power Station, uh, exchange contracts, you know, five years ago. Uh, the banks are coming around now and valuing those properties 40% less than the contract price. I'm not surprised. Well, um, there's a lot of them on the market now, isn't there? Mm. Apparently, if you go to look at a apartment down there now, you've got the choice of about 200 because there's been so many conversions really? and, and so many. All the same, all one bedroom flats. Yeah. Yeah. So then, so the prices can't be, you know, sky high because you can just go and choose another it's one. Saturated, yeah. isn't it? It's absolutely saturated down there. I think there's a huge there. issue down south of the river in Battersea yeah. at the moment. Nine there's elms an all down there. Of, uh, of property. Yeah. Um, one last question, uh, Jane. It's from a, a, a broker up in Yorkshire by the name of uh, Adam Hosker. Did you hear something then? A little mm-hmm. bit of birds, wasn't it? Um, interesting question. He normally he normally asks intelligent one, but he's got he's got he's gone he's gone a bit awol here on this one. He says, uh, "Where is it? I can't find it now." Would you rather fight a one horse sized duck or a hundred duck sized horses? Well, Adam, you'd be interested to know that I used to keep small horses um, years and years and years ago. So I would choose 100 duck-sized horses because I would know exactly what to do with them. So it wouldn't be a problem That's a much better answer than I'd have given him. What about you, Stu? Have you got a particular preference as to what you'd like to have a fight with, apart from Adam Hosker? Yeah, I live in the New Forest with horses outside my front door. So I would also go with the duck-sized horses, the 100. Let me change the question. Would you rather fight a a, a horse-sized Adam Hosker... Or a duck-sized Adam Hosker? 
duck for me. Yeah, definitely. I could have them either yeah. way. It doesn't bother me. Uh, right, I think we're close to the end of that 17 minutes. Thank you very much, Jane. That's been really interesting. Pleasure. Uh, we normally ask a question at the end about football team. Um, have you got a football team? Do you like football? You I hate it? football. You hate football? Let's kill that um, conversation. I do, like the t- I do like the tennis, um, but I hate football. Sorry. Not even the World Cup? Not even the World Cup. Not even following that at all? Right, Not what was a question team. we asked uh, Nicola the other week, Stu, in, in, in replacement we went, of the football question? We went to music, because ah, we yeah. always talk about music as well. So, okay. will you gladly remember your first purchase? Was it a single, a uh, cassette single? Single. Yeah. On vinyl. Yeah. Who was it? Oh, the girl days. It was Sugar Sugar by the Arches. Well, oh, you that's go. a classic. That's a good the video one, isn't for that. It? That was an animated video, wasn't it? They put out for that. What was, your, what, was your, what was the last one you bought? The last piece of music, obviously, was on streaming. Obviously. And it was. Oh, the last piece of music would have been something by Sam Smith. Right. Because I've just been to see him in concert. So it would have been something by Sam Smith, but I'm a massive Prince fan, so waiting for his new album to come out. We all are. Bless him. Right. Well, Jane, thank you very much. That's been really interesting. Thanks for asking Um, me. Stu, the end of uh, Lucky Episode 13, I think we call this one. Yes, we Uh, can indeed. Thank you for that time. Um, Until next time. Yeah, indeed. Um, Please remember, if you're listening, you can subscribe and share with your colleagues and friends. Uh, You can also send in questions to us through our Twitter feed, which is at the LM Experience on Twitter and we will use your question in a future podcast and um, thanks for your time Martin thanks Thanks for listening and please subscribe and follow us on Twitter and remember there ain't no party like a highly regulated mortgage party and your home may be repossessed if you do not keep up repayments on a mortgage or any other debt secured on it